Hour number two of the morning after on this Monday morning, December 6th, 2021, right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. This second hour dedicated to my favorite sport, college football, because what a weekend it was in the college football landscape conference championship weekend where chaos ensued from the very beginning of that saturday slate which had huge ramifications for the college football playoff the cfp has been decided the top four teams in the country still alive and in contention the hunt for a national championship in college football we break that down who the top four is how we got there what the CFP semifinal matchups look like right now, the early lines you need to know for those games and also the games all around New Year's Day, the New Year's Six Bowls as well. So I am Ben Stevens, but joined for the entirety of this second hour now by Mark Zinno, the man we call the mouth in the South, giving you the breakdown, not just for the SEC, but all of the college landscape. Mark, what a great weekend it was. I can't wait for this next hour alongside you right here on the morning after to break it all down. Yeah, Benny, uh, after the weekend I had, I'm going to need a new nickname, the foot in the mouth of the South uh, after the way Georgia hmm. stunk up the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. was was not the best weekend for the mouth in the South. Uh, I'd, I'd like a redo if we can. Listen, Mark, as you know, there was a ton of underdogs prevailing on conference championship Saturday. Entering the late window of games, the Big Ten title game, the ACC conference championship game, five of the six initial conference title games that day, the underdog not only covered, but won outright. The only favorite that covered, the Cincinnati Bearcats, which means what? So let's look at the college football playoff. The top four have been decided. Thanks to Alabama's win over Georgia, the Crimson Tide not only just in to the college football playoff, the number one seed, the number one team in the country. Michigan, after dismantling Iowa in the Big Ten title game, 42-3. The Wolverines, number two. Georgia drops from number one to number three. And the Cincinnati Bearcats make history, becoming that number four seed in the CFP. The first time ever in the now eight-year history of the college football playoff, a team from a group of five conference qualifies for the CFP. So, Mark, I think after conference championship Saturday, with Bama's win over Georgia, with Michigan's decisive win over Iowa, and Cincinnati capping off a perfect 13-0 season, there was little debate, little drama for who would be in the top four. Did you have any other takeaways? No, other than thank you letters from the Cincinnati Bearcats to the Oklahoma State Cowboys for gacking away the Big 12 title mm -hmm. because it had Oklahoma State won it, I believe they would have gotten in as the four seed yep. over Cincinnati. And furthermore, I guess you could thank Notre Dame for stinking it up on one Saturday uh, in late September against or early October was against Cincinnati and giving them this run at the whole thing because had Notre Dame been undefeated, clearly they would have gotten in. So it took a lot of factors to get here for a, a group of five school to get in. And as much as I've been against it, really everybody else made the path easy for Cincinnati. There, there really wasn't an argument to be, to be made for anybody else. I mean, objectively, is Ohio State a better team than Cincinnati? Of course they are. Would they be two touchdown favorites over Cincinnati? Yes, they would. But that's not really what the committee's looking at at this point in time. Cincinnati earned their spot. Hard to take it away from them at this point in time. 
Yeah, sometimes it is the eye test and the best team narrative, but it also needs that deserving quality as well. And what does your resume say? In 13 straight wins for Cincinnati, capped off by three straight covers in the AAC, a highlight for the Bearcats. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after on this Monday, Sirius XM Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast in all of our radio affiliates. I am Ben Stevens alongside Mark Zinno, for this second hour, then we bring you up until noon Eastern time as well. So, Mark, that we have the top four now. The four teams still alive in competition for a CFP National Championship. It has been reflected in the odds market on the FanDuel Sportsbook as well. Because when you look at those odds right now, Alabama becomes the favorite once again to win the college football playoff national title. Plus 120 are the Crimson Tide right now on FanDuel. Georgia, the second shortest odds at plus 135. Then you see Michigan there at plus 750. Cincinnati at 18 to 1. What is interesting to me, Mark, is that earlier in the day on conference championship Saturday, as Oklahoma State was struggling in the Big 12 title, Alabama's odds to win the Natty got shorter from 8 to 1 to plus 650. They now become the favorite. And as we know, Georgia was a heavy odds on favorite for the final month or so of the college football season. They were minus 250 entering conference championship Saturday. Maybe some value once again on the dogs at plus 135. Yeah, absolutely. It's a time to get in because if they win their semifinal, clearly their odds are going to change. Now, if you're a Georgia backer, is the time to do it. There's no better opportunity after the drubbing that they took at the hands of Alabama. And still Michigan, a great play at plus 750. It's a wonderful ticket to have in your hand Mm. at this point in time, as we talked about last week. Yeah, from plus 900 to plus 750 for Michigan, only a dollar and a half of movement despite a huge victory in the Big Ten title game. Since these odds actually got worse from where they were entering the weekend, plus 1,600 to now plus 1,800, the longest odds available out of the four teams, the CFP top four, to win a national championship. So before we dive in to the college football playoff semifinal matchups, how did we get here? A recap of a wild conference championship weekend. That's up next here on The Morning After. Stay with us after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after rolls on right here on Sports Grid on this Monday morning. Sirius XM, Channel 159, in this second hour dedicated to college football. After conference championship weekend, setting up the college football playoff, the top four teams still alive in the hunt for a national championship in the country, and also looking at the New Year's Six Bowls as well. It's Ben Stevens and Mark Zinno here with you in this second hour. And Mark, before we set up what remains in bowl season and the college football, the exciting college football we still have left to go, let's look back on how we got to this place in the first place. Conference Championship Saturday. And we begin in the SEC because Alabama did something we had not seen all year long. And that is score a ton of points against this Georgia defense. What had been the most dominant defense according to the metrics in the past decade in the entire sport of college football, Alabama 
put up 41 points to pull off the upset over Georgia. Mark, it was just the first time since 2019 that Alabama was booked as an underdog. Only the second time in the past 12 years the Tide were booked as an underdog. I think it will be another decade until Alabama is booked as an underdog again. They win outright as a six and a half point underdog in the SEC title game. Plus 198 was the price on the money line for the Tide entering that game on Saturday in Atlanta just prior to kick. Alabama, one of the most impressive performances we have seen all season long. Absolutely. And look, I have to actually blame Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M here for what happened because they led all of us to believe that you could beat your daddy and you never beat your daddy. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday is that Nick Saban outcoached, outschemed, outadjusted, outsmarted everything about Kirby Smart in this game. That looked like a completely different offensive line. That looked like a completely different team than the one the week before that was stuck in four overtimes against a mediocre Auburn team with a backup quarterback. And the bottom line here is that if Kirby Smart is going to go out and beat Alabama again and win a national title, he's going to have to get a little more creative than what he did. And he's going to have to figure out a way to slow down a Bryce Young-led offense that looked totally different than the one I've watched all year long. Bryce Young did things in this game we haven't seen him do all year long. He took off and ran. Clearly, he kept plays moving. But it was more than just that. It was a scheme of him getting rid of the ball quickly and not sitting back in the pocket. A lot of short slants, a lot of short passes, plays out in the backfield that went away from the running game that Georgia is so good at stopping. I just I can't get over how much Kirby Smart was ill-prepared for this. For the first let's call it 18 minutes, Ben, Georgia looked unbeatable, and I thought it was going to get ugly. They were up 10-0 and didn't seem to be slowing down at all. Then they had one defensive breakdown in coverage, and all of a sudden Alabama just opened the floodgates and didn't look back from that point in time. And Nick Saban, you know, he just absolutely outsmarted his former protege in Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart now winless, 0-4 straight up in games against his former boss, in Nick Saban. Might that change with a potential national championship rematch on the horizon? We will wait and see until early January. But Mark, you're talking about what Alabama did offensively to Georgia. And again, Georgia entered this game. 12 games in the regular season. That dog's defense gave up a combined 69 total points offensively to their opponents. Alabama is just the fifth team this year to score double digits against Georgia. Nobody before Saturday had scored more than 10 points in a single half. Alabama scored 24 points in the first half alone. That itself would have been the largest total that Georgia gave up all year long. That's how impressive what Alabama did on Saturday was, and that's why Alabama is not just into the college football playoff, but the number one overall seed in the college football playoff as well. And you mentioned Bryce Young. Bryce Young, thanks to his performance on Saturday, is your Heisman Trophy winner. Because right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Bryce Young, minus 6,000 to win the Heisman Trophy. He was minus 220 as the favorite entering the weekend, and he now has it wrapped up. Look at the stat line. 26 of 44, 421 passing yards, three passing scores, 40 rush yards to boot, and a rushing touchdown as well. At minus 6,000, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, will strike the Heisman pose here in just a couple of days, not far away from us in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, and absolutely deserving at this point in time. I mean, I'd love to give a nod to Aiden Hutchison or even my guy, Kenny Pickett, 
for their performances in their respective conference championship games. But how can you overlook what Bryce Young did to a Georgia defense that was historically good, except for one Saturday uh, in early December where he just took advantage of everything that Georgia did wrong. The smallest mistake, whether it was a blown coverage or the Georgia defensive backs playing eight to nine yards off the ball routinely from the second quarter on Mm. and him taking advantage at every single turn. Again, I just, you know, it's a situation, Ben, where, Obviously, no one's going to take this award away from Bryce Young, but I just I, I struggle to to wonder what happened to a Georgia defense. Did they get tested enough throughout the year? Uh, a lot of people were looking for reasons to find holes in Georgia's game, and I kept telling people there is none. Well, they found the one guy who could find holes in Georgia's game, and it was Nick Saban. Yeah, certainly so. So now we go to the Big Ten title game. And Michigan was thoroughly impressive and dominant throughout that game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Michigan wins the Big Ten championship 42-3. to The Wolverines' first Big Ten title since 2004. Their first appearance in the Big Ten championship game. Their first victory in the Big Ten championship game. Easily covering Mark as a 12.5-point favorite. And that line got steamed up on Saturday by the time we got to that primetime kick on Saturday night in Indianapolis to 12 and a half. And there was never a doubt Michigan was covering that number against Iowa by the time we got to the midway portion of the first quarter. Michigan looking very, very good. The number two seed now in the college football playoff. What did you take away from Michigan's performance against the Hawkeyes? Well, I take away that defense travels. Everybody looked at a Michigan team primed for a letdown. Iowa backers were thinking just that, that after just an emotional win, over Ohio State the previous week and so many years for Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of Michigan and company, trying to beat their rival. And they finally do it. That This was a prime letdown spot against a team in Iowa that usually takes advantage of letdown spots. Now, typically they do it in Iowa City, not in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. But nonetheless, that was the thought process. And it makes me ask one simple question. Is it possible, Ben, hmm. that entering the college football playoff, does Michigan have the best defense of every remaining team? It stands to reason they certainly have the best pass rushers of every defense remaining, and I wonder how much this defense may be good enough to carry Michigan to a national title. And we'll look at that defense as compared to Georgia as we preview the college football playoff semifinal matchups. That game will be between Michigan and Georgia in the nightcap on New Year's Eve. We'll do that coming up after the break but let's look at Michigan here 11 and 2 against the number this year the best ATS record in all of college football covering by a ridiculous margin of 10.6 points per game they held Iowa offensively to only 279 total yards and Mark that was my point all week long you looked at the over under total for this Big 10 title game the lowest number of the entire conference championship weekend at only 43 and a hook for an over under and i said michigan has enough offensively enough explosion to possibly push this total over but an iowa hawkeye team total under of 14 and a half was the right play and that turned out to be the case in the big 10 conference championship game michigan prevails by a large margin winning 40 two to three so after Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State for the first time in his tenure in Ann Arbor Michigan makes their first appearance in the Big Ten championship game their first Big Ten title game win and now their first appearance in the college football playoff as well we will preview those CFP semifinal matchups coming up on the other side of the break as well 
as we recap a couple of those other conference championship games to let you know how we got there because we need to highlight Cincinnati and why Cincy was able to get there blunder after blunder from Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game against the Baylor Bears. We do that next here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 159. It's a second hour dedicated to college football. What the CFP looks like, that's coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM, Channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid Network. I'm Ben Stevens, joined by Mark Zinno for this second hour, recapping conference championship weekend in college football and looking ahead to the college football playoffs. We will break down the early lines you need to know for the semifinal matchups. We have Alabama and Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the first game of that New Year's Eve day slate. And then also Georgia and Michigan in the Orange Bowl in Miami. But first, a recap of conference championship weekend for how we even got to this point. Because Mark Cincinnati capped off a perfect 13-0 season with a big victory in the AAC conference championship game, beating Houston 35-20. The Bearcats covering as a 10.5 point favorite. They covered in three straight to end the year, two in the regular season and in the conference championship game. And you see some of those point totals there. 24 points combined between the two teams in the first quarter. Then the scoring slowed down a little bit, and Cincinnati took firm control of this game, winning that third quarter 21 to nothing. A huge third quarter for the Bearcats, who now mark become the first group of five team ever to earn a berth into the college football playoff, a historic day in the year of anarchy that was in the 2021 season in college football. Yeah, credit and congratulations to Cincinnati head coach Luke, Luke Fickle for what he and his squad did this year. I, I've never been a fan of a group of five team making it to the college football playoff, but I can't take anything away from the Bearcats. You could argue they got all the help they needed, and they did. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it, but they took care of the one major power five opponent on their schedule in Notre Dame and went into Notre Dame and won that football game. And so from that standpoint, is it necessarily enough? I guess so. I still don't think they're a better team than Ohio State. I don't think they're a better team than Notre Dame again on a certain field. I think if you play them again, I think the Notre Dame team now than the one back from late September, early October, Notre Dame beat Cincinnati. So we'll find out. But as we were discussing in the break, Whatever Cincinnati does against Alabama, and I don't think they're going to win the game, but whether it's a blowout or it's a close game, none of that validates or, or devalidates their position in being in the college football playoff, right? Like, they've earned this spot here. Whatever happens against Alabama doesn't change that. Yeah, and we'll break down that game a little bit. A big spread, of course, Alabama favored by 14 points in that Cotton Bowl, the first CFP semifinal on New Year's Eve day. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Mark, because Alabama pulled off the upset over what seemed to be a previously unbeatable Georgia side, since he was very, very happy to look at the result and what happened in Arlington, Texas earlier in the day between Baylor and Oklahoma State, 
in the Big 12 title game because had Oklahoma State won a one-loss Big 12 champion, they might have got that bid to the college football playoff over Cincinnati, but that speculation is irrelevant because Oklahoma State lost and Cincinnati is in. Oklahoma State loses to Baylor in the Big 12 title game 21-16. to Oklahoma State was a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Baylor wins outright as the underdog. An over-under total of 46-and-a-half stays under because Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State's quarterback, threw four interceptions. Mike Gundy called one of the worst fourth quarters and made some of the worst late-game decisions you will ever see. And a run to the pylon from Desmond Jackson of Oklahoma State falls inches short, losing the Big 12 title game and the Cowboys' chances of making the college football playoff. Yeah, and, and how do you just justify the way things went down? Spencer Sanders had an awful first half, and his team could never recover. That's a lot of that is on him. But Mike Gundy did not coach a good game. And, of course, that final run to the pylon in the end, I, I just can't understand for the life of me why, as a football player, you spend the entire offseason in the weight room, you practice hitting other players in pads, you practice hitting the sled, that in the one moment you need to actually lower your shoulder and lay into a guy and hit him, it doesn't happen. Like, that's just inexcusable for me. We talk so much about how we want football to go back to the old school football, right? We want to go back to guys smacking each other. And then you have a play like that where he has an opportunity to smack somebody and he doesn't. Like, Ben, I I can't shake it. All he's got to do is lean into the guy and he falls in the end zone and Oklahoma State is in the college football playoff. Mark, in the fourth quarter alone, Oklahoma State had eight plays inside Baylor's five-yard line and they ended up with just three points. Mike Gundy decided to kick a field goal in a one-score game down 21-13 to about midway through that fourth quarter instead of go for it on fourth and goal from Baylor's three when his offense did absolutely nothing. And to make a one-score game where you needed a touchdown, still a one-score game where you still needed a touchdown. I was losing my head on in-game live on Saturday afternoon with our good pal Joe Ranieri behind one of the most laughable decisions Mike Gundy has ever made. You would think a man with a mullet would have some bravado, but Mike Gundy did not there, and I think it cost his team a chance of playing in the college football playoff. Oklahoma State was 14-1 to to win the national championship entering the weekend. If you think, well, Cincinnati still would have got in even with an Oklahoma State win, I'm not so sure. That 14-1 to price was better than Cincy's to make and win the college football playoff national championship entering the weekend. But Oklahoma State goes down. Cincinnati covers and wins in the AAC championship game. So Cincinnati is the number four seed in the college football playoff, getting set to take on the number one seed. Once again, the Alabama Crimson Tide into the college football playoff for the seventh time in the eight-year history. And as we look at this game, Mark, in the CFP semifinal, Alabama, a 14-point favorite, the over-under total 58. We still have at least three weeks until this game is even played, and so much is going to happen over that time span in college football that will still have some ramifications for these lines. But, Mark, your early assessment of this number for the CFP semifinal between number one Alabama and number four Cincinnati. I think it's right where it should be. And don't be surprised to see this get to 14 and a half pretty quickly. I mean, if if you're really feeling Alabama is that much more separated from Cincinnati, jump on them now. Uh, I wouldn't wait. I don't know if the 13 and a half will come back. I'd be kind of surprised if they do. But then again, the betting public loves the Cincinnati Bearcats as a dog in this spot. They believe there's a large portion of people who believe that Cincinnati 
like many other group of five teams, has been long overdue for this spot and want to see this moment and want to see them be able to hang in. I just don't see it. My only concern with Alabama is the schizophrenia of their offensive line because the one that showed up against Auburn the week before the SEC championship game that gave up seven sacks can't show up against Cincinnati or it's going to be a very, very close game. Uh, But if the one that shows up to play the best defense in America in Georgia and the way that they were able to limit Georgia and give quarterback Bryce Young all the time in the world to throw and make decisions, well, then Cincinnati's not going to stand any chance because Bryce Young will pick apart that Cincinnati secondary. He may as well do it from a hammock because that's how easy it's going to be for him if that offensive line can hold to what it did against Georgia. That's the one question that I think we won't really be able to find out until game day. If you trust Alabama to scheme it and get their offensive line in a position where they were against Georgia, then I think the Tide cover easily. But if they struggle, clearly Cincinnati has the offense to stay in this game. And Mark, that's the question, right? Because Alabama showed us on Saturday in the SEC title game against Georgia, their A-plus game. That is Alabama at its absolute best, and that is probably the best team in the country capable of winning a national championship. But we have seen Bama struggle this year. We've seen C games. We've seen D-minus games in Nick Saban standards as well. Because, of course, outside of that SEC title game, Alabama was favored in every game. They were just 6-6 and against the number and did not cover as a favorite in their last three SEC conference games where they were tested in one-score games against LSU, against Arkansas, and of course in quadruple overtime against Auburn. So what exactly will we see out of Alabama in the CFP semifinal against Cincinnati? Because we know now Alabama, the second-best scoring offense in the country, averaging 42 points per game. Cincinnati, the sixth-best scoring defense in the country, only allowing 16.8 points per game. Alabama, with Bryce Young, who will be the Heisman winner, the sixth-best passing offense in the country, averaging 355 yards per game, but in the last three, more than 430 through the air. Well, Cincinnati, you would think at least, has the secondary to compete the second-best passing defense in the country, only allowing 169 yards per Per game, I also look at that over-under total of 58. Bama has only had one total lower than that this year. It was the upset win for A&M over Alabama, and so that game went over. As we look at the other college football playoff semifinal, number two, Michigan, and number three, Georgia. The Dogs, a nine-point favorite in what will be the Orange Bowl against the Michigan Wolverines. The over-under total mark is only 43. Why? Because we have the two best scoring defenses in the country. Yeah, and I would lean on the under right away because I just think it'll be that style of game where both of these coaches will go conservative. But how do you eliminate the recency bias of what you just saw from a Georgia team that got dismantled? I know Michigan's offense isn't Alabama's, but it begs the question... Will Georgia's defense have the same chutzpah that it's had in every other game this year against Michigan, or will the one that showed up against Alabama show up? Now, we've got a month before the college football playoff kicks off, or at least three weeks that we're talking about before we have to worry about these games being played. That's a lot of time to fix and adjust the problems and scheme for an opponent. But I would lean on the under in this spot. I I feel like off the bat it's too many points to give Michigan. Uh, because of the way that they played and how good their defense is. And as I said earlier, this may be the best defense in the college football playoff remaining in Michigan. It, it's just hard to eliminate that recency bias from what we saw. I think Georgia's offense got a little bit too conservative, and they may do it again. And that's what leads me to believe the under is probably the smart play here. 
And despite Georgia giving up 41 points to Alabama, they still have the top scoring defense in the country, only allowing less than 10 points per game. Michigan, the second best scoring defense, only letting up 16 and a half points per game. So much to figure out with everything in the college football playoff. We'll do that over the next month here on the morning after, including the New Year's Six Bulls. That's coming up next. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com on Sports Grid Sirius XM. Joe on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens alongside Mark Zeno for the entirety of this second hour. So much college football to get to, including, Mark, some breaking news. Not only did we see Oklahoma hire Brent Venables, the longtime Clemson defensive coordinator who was a D.C. at OU before that as the Sooners' next head football coach late last night. Also sources right now, according to the report, from Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, Miami has finally fired Manny Diaz. If you haven't been following that entire scenario play out in Miami, Florida, Manny Diaz is the current head coach. They have been trying to poach Mario Cristobal from Oregon. They brought Mario in. He was very close to signing a contract, but nothing finalized yet. So they hadn't fired Manny Diaz yet. Apparently right now, just breaking in the last couple of minutes, Manny Diaz has been fired from Miami. So, so much to get to in the college football landscape not just the college football playoff mark in the top four teams that were decided yesterday but the rest of the new year's six bowls because we have the two college football playoff semifinals the cotton bowl and the orange bowl but also the other six like the granddaddy of them all the rose bowl we have the fiesta bowl we have so many great games to preview here and let's begin with a really good game in the Peach Bowl between Michigan State and Pittsburgh. Pitt, the ACC champions this year, the first new champion in seven years in the Atlantic Coast Conference since Clemson had won the previous six. Pitt will be a four-point favorite against Michigan State, and the over-under total is 63.5. So, Mark, you have the ACC champion against the Plucky Spartans, who had a team win total of 4.5 and, and ended up winning 10 regular season games in Big Ten football. How do you approach this matchup between the Panthers, who have Kenny Pickett tossing the thing around the yard, and a Michigan State secondary that leaves a lot to be desired? Well, that's just it. I mean, give my, my mortgage payment and put it on Kenny Pickett. The guy's throwing about 40 touchdowns this year and watch him pick apart a Michigan State secondary that was dead last in the Big Ten. I know Mel Tucker, the yep. head coach of the Spartans, obviously will motivate his guys to want to play, but they're going to be outmatched in this thing. And let's not sell Pitt's defense short. They have one of the best run defenses in the country. Kenneth Walker, a Heisman candidate at some point in this year, the lead running back from Michigan State, clearly is a guy that can tote the rock and absolutely create problems. But if you're going to put Kenneth Walker up against this Pittsburgh defense, let's just say we call that a wash. The other main advantage is to Kenny Pickett over the Michigan State pass defense. This should be a number I'll jump on early for Pittsburgh because I believe continue to balloon up um, as this game ends up getting closer. Again, we still got uh, three whole weeks before any of these games kick off, but 
the smart money right now take Pittsburgh early, that they're going to score and score at will. I'd also look at the over in this spot because clearly mm. uh, Michigan State won't be held scoreless. Uh, they'll be they'll find ways to the end zone. It's certainly a short number, all things considered, for these two teams. When you look at what Pickett and Pitt did in the ACC title game, they beat Wake Forest 45-21. to 21. Kenny Pickett's stat line for that game, 20 of 33, 253 yards, two passing touchdowns, and a rushing score as well. And if you're such a lame-o that you think his fake slide was just a weird thing to do in college football and be and should be condemned, stop it. That was a super cool play showing off the athletic achievement of Kenny Pickett. Anyway, I digress. But you have now... A Pittsburgh offense that is the fifth best scoring offense in the country, averaging 40.2 points per game. The seventh best passing offense in the country, 341 and a half passing yards per game. Led by Kenny Pickett, who might be the top quarterback selected in this upcoming 2022 NFL draft. Going up against Michigan State, who not only has the worst passing defense in the Big Ten, but ranks dead last in the entire country, 130 out of 130 FBS teams in college football, that's where Michigan State's pass defense ranks right now, giving up over 356 passing yards per game. So on paper, the metrics would lead you to believe that Pittsburgh is in a perfect scenario because as Mark mentioned, of course, for Michigan State, you have Kenneth Walker III, one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in all of college football, but Pitt's rushing defense, sixth best in the country and Pittsburgh ends the year with the second best ATS record in all of college football 10 and 3 against the number Michigan State as an underdog 4 and 1 ATS as a dog winning outright in all four of the games that they covered as an underdog and covering by an average percentage or an average point per game of 6.6 points per game but again on paper this probably favors Pitt and an over because you think Pittsburgh should be able to have their way and I the line to work in Pitt's favor and creep up by the time we get to this game, the first of the New Year's Six Bowls on December 30th, later this month. The Peach Bowl between Pittsburgh and Michigan State. The next game up, Mark, that I would like to discuss is Marcus Freeman's first Fiesta Bowl. The new head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish taking on the team that fell short in the Big 12 title game, Oklahoma State and right now Notre Dame a three-point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook the over under total 45 mark this is an interesting perspective that we often see throughout bowl season even included in the New Year's Six game you have a team that ended their year in such a disappointing fashion like the Cowboys from Stillwater of Oklahoma State and you have a team with an interim slash new head coach in the same guy in Marcus Freeman Notre Dame loves it his players campaigned for Marcus to be the new head coach, promoted from defensive coordinator. You keep that consistency. I think from a motivation standpoint, you would have to look to Notre Dame in this game. Does motivation lead to a win and a cover in your mind, Mark Zinno? Yes, um, and you have to love the committee and what they do. I mean, how bad did they do Sparty, but how good did they do Marcus Freeman in his first ever game uh, and give them sort of a mm. soft offensive opponent in Oklahoma State and a quarterback who threw four picks in his conference championship game in Spencer Sanders. So, and here's the thing about Notre Dame. Offensively, they've been humming for the last four or five weeks, Ben. They have been on fire and been able to beat up everybody. I know this Oklahoma State defense is really good, but this is a favorable spot for Notre Dame. I would also look at the total uh, and, and say 
I would lean under right off the bat. I, I think this thing is going to come down as the under people start to jump in early because Oklahoma State's defense is so good, because you're getting a new head coach in Notre Dame, and you start to look at some of the scheme things that may change, some minor philosophies and tweaks and things of that nature. Uh, but I, I like Notre Dame here. Because of the motivational factor, if the players are campaigning for them, this game is going to matter to them. And it doesn't matter if guys are yeah. going to head to the NFL or whatever. They want to win this one to give this guy his first ever win in a bowl game and let him hold up a trophy. This is an important stuff. Motivation, a big part of why Notre Dame should win this one. Yeah, Notre Dame was a favorite in nine of their 12 regular season games this year, seven and two against the number, covering by more than eight points per game on average. And not only did Notre Dame win seven straight to end out the year they covered in seven straight to end out the regular season of course Oklahoma State lost in the Big 12 championship game that was their season I don't know how fired up they'll be even for a Fiesta Bowl appearance in a New Year's Six Bowl and everybody rallying around Marcus Freeman somehow some way making Notre Dame like a likable team which I never thought I would utter those words in college football I think you could look at this Notre Dame team and even covering a short three-point number against Oklahoma State again that over under total is 45 for a reason two of the top 10 scoring defenses in all of college football the Pokes the sixth best scoring defense only giving up 16.8 points per game Notre Dame tied for the 10th best scoring defense only allowing just over 18 points per game. And Oklahoma State, who struggled against Baylor in that opening half defensively of the Big 12 title game on Saturday, shut out the Bears in the second. It's the reason they probably should have won that football game if Mike Gundy had made a couple of balls of your calls that he did not and cost his pokes an opportunity to be in the college football playoff. But I digress. The Fiesta Bowl might be a coronation for Marcus Freeman as he is welcomed as the new head coach of the Fighting Irish Football Program. Then, from the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Day to the granddaddy of a ball, Pasadena, California, under the mountains of the San Gabriel Mountain Range when the sunset sets there in early January to begin a new year, things look no more beautiful than in the Rose Bowl. And it's a great matchup between the Pac-12 champions in the Utah Utes and a team out of the Big Ten the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes right now, a six and a half point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under total, Mark Zeno, is 67 for the Rose Bowl. Of course, Ohio State faltered in the game against Michigan. But for a good portion of the second half of this regular season in college football, the Buckeyes seem destined to get back to the college football playoff. How motivated do you think they will be for the granddaddy of them all in the Rose Bowl against Utah? I think Ohio State is absolutely motivated. Look, it's a big deal to play in the Rose Bowl for any Big Ten team. They yeah. all take that thing seriously. This isn't a bowl that doesn't matter. So Ohio State, despite the loss to Michigan, isn't going to just lay down in this one. But my question, Ben, is that 67 total, do you think it's actually going to reach 70 by the time they kick this thing off? Because it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Over, over, over. Points, points, points. And Ohio State's offense is really – they're going to get to 40 against this Utah team. I know the last two times that we saw Utah go play against an offense that was somewhat competent in Oregon, they held them basically, what, to 17 total points in two contests in eight quarters? But this is a different level here. Uh, Ohio State's going to be able to score, and Utah will be able to score. I like the over in this total. I know it's a hefty number, but I, I think this is a spot right now where you should jump on this early because it wouldn't shock me at all to see this line gravitate closer to 69, if not 70, by the time they kick this thing off on New Year's Day. 
And it's going to be so interesting, right? Because Utah was so thoroughly dominant in the two biggest games for them this year. The first game in Salt Lake City against Oregon, absolutely dismantling the Ducks. And then again in the Pac-12 championship game. If Utah was playing Oregon, and Oregon, by the way, if we all remember, beat Ohio State in Columbus week number two, Utah would kill them in a Rose Bowl or anywhere. Utah might be the best team in the country if and when they play Oregon, but Ohio State, still the top scoring offense in the country, averaging more than 45 points per game. Utah has the 11th best rushing offense in the country, and we saw Michigan have its way physically up front against Ohio State and that defensive front. In the game, might Utah look to do the same against Ohio State? Ohio State has been a favorite in every game this year. 6-5-1 and one against the spread. This would be the shortest spread if it sticks at 6.5. And, and Mark, I still think there is a potential to go over because, like you mentioned, the Buckeyes are going to score points. They could easily get into the 40s against Utah. And I think Utah has enough with Cam Rising at quarterback and with such a good ground game to keep pace against Ohio State. This might be one of the higher scoring Rose Bowls we have seen in recent memory. That would be the first area I go for this New Year's Six game. The final New Year's Six Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Baylor Bears, the Big 12 champions taking on Ole Miss and the running Rebs. A one and a half point spread in favor of Mississippi. Mark Zeno, I can't believe we're ending the year this way. Looking at an over-under total of 50 and a half for Ole Miss. What's good with that? Oh, I, I mean... What happened to my death I mean, taxes and almost overs? I mean, it just completely yeah. fell apart on me. Lane Kiffin's offense died the last four games of the year. It just didn't have any sort of punch to it whatsoever. I, I think the Rebs are the better team. And, and I think Lane Kiffin, who just got a contract extension, is out to prove it. Uh, I, I don't think motivation will be an issue here. And I don't think Miller has the chops to keep up. Um, but can they get over 50? They better be able to get over 50, Ben. I hope they do, but when you look at it, an under in seven straight games for Ole Miss to end out the year. Nine of the 12 games for Ole Miss overs have fallen under. We'll see what that looks like against a good Baylor defense in the Sugar Bowl, the final of the New Year's Six Bowls on New Year Day. Coming up next here on The Grid, we guess the line about the college football playoffs. Stay with us. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Closing out hour number two here on a Monday morning on the morning after Sirius XM channel 159 and all across the sports grid network. It has been a second hour all about college football conference championship weekend into the college football playoff. The two semifinal matchups on New Year's Eve this year. I can get into why that's the stupidest thing in the world another later time. But we have about three weeks until those games are played. So where might the lines go? We try to figure that out and guess the line. All right.
right, Mark Zeno. So the two lines that we have out right now, Alabama favored by 14 in the first semifinal matchup against Cincinnati. The over-under total is currently 58. In the second game of the day, Georgia, the number three seed, favored by nine points. And we've already seen line movement there over the number two seed, Michigan, the over-under total 43. Where do you expect these lines to be, Mark Zeno, by the time we get to New Year's Eve? I think Alabama ends up at 14 and a half. Uh, I think there's enough public per- perception, enough public love for Cincinnati to keep this number right there. I, I can't see it going much higher. Uh, as far as Georgia is concerned, this line is steamed quickly, opened at seven and a half and is already up mm. towards nine. If you get 10, there's going to be a ton of buyback on Michigan. So I don't know if odds makers will want it to go that far unless they're absolutely pressed to. But at, at this point now, I'm going to wait. Uh, I will wait for Michigan and wait to get the best number possible. Uh, And maybe my mind will change on the recency bias that I've seen from Georgia and what I saw in the championship game. Uh, But still, I think when you get to double digits here for a power five team, way too much for a defense that that's good. that, That is that good as Michigan is. I'll be very intrigued to see where that over-under goes for Michigan and Georgia, the two top-scoring defenses in the country. Mark Zeno, the mouth in the South, breaking down the college football playoff with us here on a Monday. Mark, until we talk again very soon. Benny, you're the best. A great time, as always, talking about college football. Hour number three, happy hour, up next here on The Morning After. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. (laughs) This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.